The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Welcome Christian conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else that may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here. Boy, I got somebody wanting to <laughs> make noise uh, while I'm on the radio. Hello, guys. I wanted to turn that off, and I thought I did, but apparently not, so um, i got to turn that off now. All right. <clears throat> um, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. If you want to watch the video portion of the show, if you're listening by Red State Talk Radio and you want to listen to the the um, or you want to watch the video portion, just go to SonsLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down right there on the right, and we are live there. You can enlarge that if you'd like to do so. Also, you can catch out that li- you can catch that live feed on my Twitter account FPP Tim FPP Tim on Twitter. Our Periscope account is Setting Brush Fires. Facebook page Bradley Dean SOL. YouTube is B Dean Sons of Liberty. Beforeitsnews.com we're right there on the front page as well, and also on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. You can find us at Spreely Gab MeWe Minds and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media.com, uh, or excuse me, Sons of Liberty Media. And if you'd like to call in at any time, we're going to be talking about the media and how it manipulates, how to spot it. And you're not going to specifically get that from me. Uh, the show is going to be quite a bit different than we normally do because I'm going to lead from one point to the next. And there's going to be a lot of input from veteran journalists, journalists who've actually got out of, I guess, what they were doing in the corporate media, whether that was CBS or CNN or other parts of the world. Uh, I'm going to give you what these guys are saying. And if you've never heard any of this, maybe you've suspected it, but you've never heard a journalist actually come out and say, this is what goes on. This is how this is. Here's the money involved. Here are the players in all this. Here's what these things are and how they're designed to manipulate you. Then I think you'll find this very enlightening. And by the way, all of this will be included in the archive at sonslibertymedia.com later this morning. So if you saw something or you hear something, you say, wait a minute, I need to go back over that again. Don't worry about it. We'll have it up at SonsLibertyMedia.com later this morning. Now, with that said, some people will think that in the age of, quote unquote, the, the chant of fake news, many think Donald Trump started that, but he didn't. He didn't start that. Um... 
it was actually the media, the mainstream media that started that. Um, and I had this open. I've got so many things that I want to uh, play here because it's it's absolutely incredible. It really is absolutely incredible. Some of the things that have gone on. Let me let me begin with. Um, I'll just work my way down with some of these. Um, here's one. This is, and several of these are going to be from Cheryl Atkinson because I think she's been one who's been sort of at the forefront of saying, "I was in this. This is how I see how it's done. This is what they do." And you remember she was targeted over the Benghazi stuff. Uh, she was one of those people who just got on Benghazi. She got on. Um, what was it, Fast and Furious, uh, and really stuck to those stories and investigated them and reported them to people. So far, nobody's brought anybody who had anything to do with any of, either one of those things, as well as the other scandals that happened in the Obama administration, to justice. But part of the job of the press, the freedom of the press, is to hold them accountable. You know, the press isn't, and it's to expose where there needs to be justice. They are, Eric. We're going to get to that in just a minute. <laughs> We're going to bring that up, too. We're going to bring up Operation Mockingbird. Uh, some of the guys in the chat are already bringing this up. Trust me, we're going there. But I think it's, it's, it's important for some people to hear from people who've left this, who have been pushed out from it, what it is. Now, this first interview, some of these are, are lengthy, some of them are a minute or two minutes, some of them are five or eight minutes, something like that. But I'm going to try to let these people just say it for themselves because I think it's important that you hear it. Okay, here's the first one. This is um, a episode or a partial episode of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson. And um, sadly, there's uh, Mark Levin here. I have no affection for Mark Levin. I can't stand his voice. I can't stand it. When somebody comes in and confronts him with real facts that challenges his uh, narrative, uh, because he's a, he's one of these conservative talking heads, um, and I, he, he will cut people off when they start really pinning him down, especially when it comes to the Federal Reserve debt and the debt-based income that's touted about as the greatest economy in the world and all this other kind of stuff. Okay, So here is a, here's Cheryl Atkinson, full measure. It's called Unfreedom of the Press. Hang on. This week, 30 media and tech companies announced they're partnering behind a new national campaign, Protect Press Freedom. But conservative commentator and author Mark Levin argues the modern mass media does not favor a free press. His new book is called Unfreedom of the Press. You wrote the American free press has degenerated into a standardless profession, not through government oppression or suppression, but through self-censorship, groupthink, bias, omission, and propaganda. There's a new doctrine that's being pushed in journalism school, has been for about 30 years, which is to push what's called public journalism or community journalism, which is social activism. And so now you have a lot of reporters, Jim Acosta is a perfect example, who create the drama then report on their own drama. Well, I may ask Peter, one other question. Are you worried? That's enough. That's Mr. enough. President, that becomes that's news for five days. The other folks that's enough. The president calls that fake news. He's right. Our news is filled with phony events and filled with propaganda. Your book has a lot of history in it. And one small portion talks about Thomas Paine's common sense in 1776. He wrote, advocating for American independence. And you talk about the so-called pamphleteers of that time. 
The pamphleteers were the great heroes, the first printing presses. These were the men that uh, pushed the American Revolution and the ideas we read in the Declaration of Independence. They wanted to fundamentally transform government, throw off the monarchy and create a representative government. The media today want to do the opposite. They want to fundamentally transform the civil society in defense of an all-powerful centralized government. But weren't the pamphleteers and the patriotic press themselves biased? Absolutely. They were biased for liberty, and they were biased for property rights, and they were biased for limited government, and they admitted it. They didn't believe in objective news, even though they had some news. They supported a cause. They were revolting against a tyranny. The press today poses as seeking objective truth when it's not. Would you find it less objectionable if the press today, the ones that you believe are biased, actually said what they were for and reported as they do, rather than maintaining a sense of supposed neutrality? Well, we had a press like that called the Party Press, and it followed uh, the administration, or near the tail end of the administration of George Washington's second term, where the, where the newspapers were lining up between, behind Jefferson and his party, and Hamilton and Adams and their, and their party, and they were transparent about it. At least they were more honest about it. Um, although we're getting to a point now where some media outlets are so brazen about their ideology, they're being very honest about who they are. We kind of know. We kind of know who they are, uh, but there's still this patina of, we're the news, don't criticize us, or you're attacking the First Amendment. Do you think news should be reporting or interpretation, or some combination thereof, and how would that be structured? I make the point in my book that you really should strive, if you're a newsroom, to separate news from opinion. Stop hiring ideologues in the newsrooms because it's harder and harder for ideologues to be objective or as objective as they can be. Number two, okay, maybe you're a liberal, maybe you're a conservative, but at least apply some objective standards and process to the gathering of news. We're not doing either right now. Some blame our, the media's, declining credibility on President Trump. Isn't there some truth to that? There's really no truth to that. I'll tell you why. I write in the book and I explain presidents who really endangered the media, even John Adams, people would be shocked with the Sedition Act of 1798. He imprisoned journalists, shut down some newspapers. You had Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War with his authority shutting down newspapers, imprisoning journalists. You had Woodrow Wilson, the great progressive intellectual, put a new Sedition Act in in 1918, shut down newspapers, imprisoned journalists, imprisoned political opponents. FDR unleashed the IRS on several publishers, including Mo Annenberg, who owned the Philadelphia Inquirer, because they didn't back the New Deal. Barack Obama and his administration, of course, he didn't know anything. Um, the FBI went after the New York Times, Fox, and AP. Donald Trump may call the press the enemy of the people, or a particular segment of the press the enemy of the people. He hasn't done anything like that. Uh, you wrote, except go after. It is uh, surely not for the government to control the press. Julius Orange? And yet the press seems incapable of policing itself. So what are we left with? The modern mass media is destroying freedom of the press. So where do we go? There are new pamphleteers out there, bloggers, websites all over the world. We should separate the good from the bad. I know there's bad stuff on the internet, but there's good stuff on the internet too. Because what is it? That matters about freedom of the press. What does it really come down to? Freedom of speech. That is, all of us communicating with each other, we the people, to try and figure out how to improve our lives and improve our neighborhoods and improve our society.
By the way, among the news outlets backing the new Protect Press Freedom campaign are some that Levin sees as the most biased. Glenn Beck's spotlight led to a smear That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> now, here's the thing. Um, again, uh, Mark Levin kind of rubs me the wrong way, not because some of the things he says isn't true. They, th- some of the things are. Uh, his push for a convention of states is obviously a manipulation of actual history. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, it is. And if you watch people like Mark Levin, you watch people like Rush Limbaugh, I mean, look, everybody has their blind spots. I get it. I got mine. Okay, I have mine. And I would fix them if I knew where they were, but since they're blind spots, I don't know where, they at, where they're at. So with that said, um, you know, Levin's like everybody else. He has certain blind spots just like we do. And at the same time, there is a certain level of truth of what he's saying. Now, I disagree with the whole thing of he's saying, well, there is no truth of this, the credibility of the press because of Trump and this, that, and the other. No, I agree that there is some. Um, There's some of that involved as well. But there's several things. Now, I'm going to, again, I'm going to play a couple of clips here from Cheryl Atkinson. This is the first one. And then she goes into, I'm going to save this one. I want to push that one down to the, to the, to before we bring uh, the, the deal here with the Amber Lynn on. Amber Lyon, excuse me. She appeared on Fox News, and I don't have video for this one, with Shannon Breen to explain how the modern news media works and to implore Americans everywhere to be wary of what they hear on the news. See, this is part of what we do here. And yeah, I was talking about Julian Assange. And and not only that, Eric, uh, this administration wants to prosecute him. Our Department of Justice wants to... Look, check this out. Our This administration that's sitting right now, this isn't the Obama administration, this isn't the Bush administration, it isn't the Clinton this is the Trump administration, wants to prosecute a journalist who has never had to retract one piece of information he's put out because all he's put out is documents on the good, bad, and the ugly. And they want to prosecute him over that. Well, he exposed secrets. Well, he tried to help Bradley Manning hack into this. Did he? I think the conversation was pretty clear. I need more stuff. The more stuff you can give me, the more eyes it can see it. So this nonsense of what was going on, and by the way, Julian Assange... And Edward Snowden, regardless of who they are or what they did, what I can tell you this. They exposed the crimes of our government against us. You can say it's treason, this, that, now, all you want to, but the things our government were doing were unlawful. They were unconstitutional. Has anybody been brought to justice from that? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? No, nobody's been brought to justice over that. This is the part of freedom of the press. It is to, it part, I mean, in part, in large measure, it is to hold government accountable. It is to report to the people, hey, we're the guys who went in and audited here, our government. Here it is, people. Here's what we found. This is what they're supposed to be doing. Some of you listen to the Sons of Liberty. You're going to hear stuff here. You're not going to hear from Mark Levin. You're just not going to hear him. See, Mark Levin is like the Rush Limbaugh show. It's going to be the GOP water-carrying thing that you want to hear. It's going to be your conservative echo chamber, if you will. 
it will move with whatever the party is going towards. Now they move. Sometimes they may move a little, res, you know, resisting a little bit. But this is what they'll do. And you can see it in every election cycle. They'll kind of be pointing out the problems with people they're not comfortable with. Then when those people get the nod from the party, we're all behind that. We're all behind it. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what they do. So here is Atkinson. She comes on and she says um, that there is a, a sense of skepticism, the cognitive dissonance, um, and she wants Americans to trust their gut more. Okay, here's what she had to say. I'll pull this up so that you can see it with the audience here. In general, the journalists who have decided to take a stand against this president and announced in some instances that they're suspending the normal rules and procedures of journalism because they think this president is such a threat. They're talking about Donald Trump. And in many instances, they really believe that they're committed in some cases cases partisan excuse me they are committed in some cases partisans but just committed people who think they're doing the right thing so i think you're going to get that sort of feeling from them also they are also being cheered on by the people around them almost like a feeding frenzy with sharks the people surrounding them are patting themselves on the back and saying good jobs if you listen to the players i interviewed in this book that operate in the smear universe they themselves will tell you this is kind of scary when you think about it. Virtually, uh, virtually very image, or I think it was meant to be every image you run across, whether it is in the news or social media or elsewhere, and even the comedy shows, it's being put there. Yeah, it's called propaganda. It's called propaganda. They say for a purpose by somebody who wants you to think something that may not necessarily be a consensus at all or may not even be true. And there are well-funded actors that use fake accounts on social media or powers of persuasion and a ton of money, we're going to get that in a minute, to try to manipulate what you think. So when you see the common narrative circulating on news outlet after news outlet and social media that everybody thinks this and that and you're thinking, really? Because I don't think that. Trust your cognitive dissonance. Try to be aware you're being manipulated or at least someone may be trying. Well, that's all about what the corporate-owned CIA-controlled media is all about in the first place. They are trying to manipulate you. Okay? They are trying to manipulate you. <clears throat> in fact, I mentioned at the first of the show who actually started the fake news propaganda campaign. Again, it wasn't Donald Trump. It wasn't them. It was the corporate-owned media. They're the ones who started it. But you didn't know that, did you? Yep, 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 yep. Um, <clears throat> here again is Cheryl Atkinson. She appeared on Newsmax TV's The Steve Malsberg Show, and she said, Before about September the 13th, if you search the news, you won't find many or any mention of fake news. This is before the elections. But as soon as there was, in my view, a propaganda ca campaign to put this on the plate of the American public, the news media and politicians, including President Obama, went hog wild and with the term, and it started making headlines every day. It wasn't a new invention. Here's, uh, here's Cheryl. What about this, this notion of fake news? 
Um, you know, this is to me, it's just insane. To me, it's it's le it's fascism from the left. But in fact, the fake news is 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 the so-called mainstream media in so many cases. And you know when it's worse, it, it, in my view, and you could disagree with me. Feel free. Fake news by omission. It's what they don't talk about, what they leave out, as you, we just discussed with the chipping away at the freedom of the press under Obama. It's, it's when they don't bring up issues or shy away from them or outright say, oh, no, 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 we don't talk about that here. That's, uh, that's the biggest sin of fake news, the sin of omission. Well, I call it the, the soft censorship that we engage in ourselves by leaving out stories or allowing ourselves to be you know, stopped from presenting certain stories. Um, and yes, I agree with that. But I take a step back. I mean, I, this is covered in my book, The Smear. I had to stuff this in at the last minute. But before about September 13th, if you search the news, you won't find many or any mentions of fake news. But as soon as there was, in my view, a propaganda campaign to put this on the plate of the American public, the news media and politicians, including President Obama, went hog wild with the term and it started making headlines every day. It wasn't a new invention. And yes, fake news exists, but the idea that there's this huge campaign behind it to, um, you know, controversialize certain reports and censor, in my view, uh, certain views uh, is a propaganda campaign. And, and I think when David Brock, uh, Hillary Clinton's ally from Media Matters, announced that he would be the arbiter or help be the arbiter of so-called fake news, I think that sort of sealed the deal that the whole thing is a propaganda effort and a political effort, not really an honest effort to to seek out facts, but more to determine for other people what truth they should hear. All right. Uh, you heard it straight from her mouth there. Now, one of the things is, is this whole fake news. Look at what it's done now. You know, it's interesting. Um, the, the, it, the, the people on the left, as it's called, and look, we're, we've got a new, Bradley's got a new commercial for the morning show. That's going to be airing. I don't know when, um, but one, he asked me to write it up. So what I said was, you know, we're going to use the Constitution as the Bi uh, and the Bible not to determine who's on the left or the right, but who's on the straight and narrow, because that's where we should be. I used to think like that too. Oh, I'm a right winger. I thought I understood what was going on there, um, but that's not the case. The issue is, are we on the straight and narrow? Uh, as Mark Levin said earlier, I, and I agree with him. Part of the problem is for us to be objective. Okay. Part of it is for us to try to be objective. Everybody has a bias. If they if they tell you they don't have a bias, they're lying to you and they're lying to themselves. Okay. So we have that. Um, but here it is. Here's Cheryl Atkinson saying all this fake news stuff. This started with the Obama administration. Them calling out fake news. It wasn't the Trump administration doing it. it was it was the Obama administration doing. It. Now what's it doing? Many of you are watching via YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Periscope. Now, some Periscope, I don't think, is censoring anybody, or DLive. I know they're not censoring anybody and things of that nature. But here's, here's the issue. Where did all that go? Which transferred over, instead of just pointing at corporate media outlets and they're not being censored, all of a sudden you and me are censored. We're the targets of it. And I know Donald Trump has spoke about this, that, and the other. And you've got to understand something. In this situation, there's always a manipulation of things. Like, oh, Donald Trump, his, his Twitter account got banned. Oh, this person got, got banned. Yeah, we've been targeted too. 
But the people who have the authority to actually do something about it aren't doing anything about it. They're not doing anything about it. They're continuing to allow people like Google and Facebook and Twitter, corporate-owned puppets, engage in this kind of censorship, which is unlawful. It is against the law for them to do it. And they're not doing it even-handedly across the board. They're picking and choosing who they want to hit. And yet, by the way, guys, they hit some of the liberal sites too. Not, not as many as the, conserv- the, the professed conservatives, but they do hit some of those too. I've seen those. In fact, if you guys remember, uh, we had that wacky professor up there, um, up north, who had this list that all of a sudden became the list of fake news sites. It's interesting. Um, I knew about that list probably a year before it ever hit the LA Times or the New York Times. Somebody had sent it to me, and I was like, well, I don't know who this lady is. I'm certainly not going to put this out there. This had a, a lot of sites. Some of them were clearly fake news. There's no question about that. They were just making stuff up, okay? But a lot of them weren't. They were sites that put out the news, and they had commentary with it. And if you, if you disagreed with it, if that person, if the professor disagreed with it, they put that in there. Sadly... Even conservatives grabbed that in certain groups and said, if you're on this list and you're posting these sites right here, we take this as gospel. These are, cons- these are professed conservatives doing this stuff. They're wanting to censor. Are you not big boys and girls out there, America? Can you not determine for yourself? Seriously, when- whenever we present something to you, I want-, I want to leave that information up so you can look at it yourself. Because... You ought to be able to figure it out on your own. Now, sometimes the truth is hard to swallow. I grant that. I've been there too. I come there probably at least once or twice a year with something that hits me that I thought was one way, and all of a sudden I get information and it was something else. This is why I know it's hard when sometimes we criticize the administration. Like on the issue of funding abortions. Yes, they still do it, people. You can tell me they don't all you want to till you're blue in the face. I got the documentation of it. And it's hard to swallow because you think these people are pro-life. And then you start justifying it, making excuses for it. But what Atkinson is doing is she's saying somebody is out to manipulate you. Okay? Now, I think this next one, and it's... um, this one was, look, I wrote the article in 2015, but what she has to say, and it's, it's pretty lengthy, so it's going, to be, it's going to run about 10 minutes, but I think this applies a lot to what we see going on today in America. And this one is on the subject of astroturf and manipulation of media messages. Cheryl Atkinson. So consider this fictitious example that's inspired by real life. Say you're watching the news and you see a story about a new study on the cholesterol-lowering drug called Colextra. The study says Colextra is so effective that doctors should consider prescribing it to adults and even children who don't yet have high cholesterol. Is it too good to be true? You're smart. You decide to do some of your own research. You do a Google search. You consult social media, Facebook and Twitter. You look at Wikipedia, WebMD, a nonprofit website. And you read the original study in a peer-reviewed published medical journal. It all confirms how effective Colextra is. 
you do run across a few negative comments and a potential link to cancer, but you dismiss that because medical experts call the cancer link a myth and say that those who think there is a, a link there are quacks and cranks and nuts. Finally, you, you learned that your own doctor recently attended a medical seminar. The lecture that he attended confirmed how effective cholextra is, so he sends you off with some free samples and a prescription. You've really done your homework. But what if all isn't as it seems? What if the reality you found was false? A carefully constructed narrative by unseen special interests designed to manipulate your opinion. A Truman Show-esque alternate reality all around you. Complacency in the news media combined with incredibly powerful propaganda and publicity forces mean we sometimes get little of the truth. Special interests have unlimited time and money to figure out new ways to spin us while cloaking their role. Surreptitious astroturf methods are now more important to these interests than traditional lobbying of Congress. There's an entire industry built around it in Washington. What is astroturf? It's a perversion of grassroots, as in fake grassroots. Astroturf is when political, corporate, or other special interests disguise themselves and publish blogs, start Facebook and Twitter accounts, publish ads, letters to the editor, or simply post comments online to try to fool you into thinking an independent or grassroots movement is speaking. The whole point of AstroTurf is to try to give the impression there's widespread support for or against an agenda when there's not. AstroTurf seeks to manipulate you into changing your opinion by making you feel as if you're an outlier when you're not. One example is the Washington Redskins name. Without taking a position on the controversy, if you simply were looking at news media coverage over the course of the past year or looking at social media, you'd probably have to conclude that most Americans find that name offensive and think it ought to be changed. But what if I told you 71% of Americans say the name should not be changed? That's more than two-thirds. AstroTurfers seek to controversialize those who disagree with them. They attack news organizations that publish stories they don't like, whistleblowers who tell the truth, politicians who dare to ask the tough questions, and journalists who have the audacity to report on all of it. Sometimes astroturfers simply shove intentionally so much confusing and conflicting information into the mix that you're left to throw up your hands and disregard all of it, including the truth. Drown out a link between a medicine and a harmful side effect, say vaccines and autism, by throwing a bunch of conflicting paid-for studies, surveys, and experts into the mix, confusing the truth beyond recognition. And then there's Wikipedia. <laughs> AstroTurf's dream come true. Billed as the free encyclopedia that anyone can edit, the reality can't be more different. Anonymous Wikipedia editors control and co-opt pages on behalf of special interests. They forbid and reverse edits that go against their agenda. They skew and delete information in blatant violation of Wikipedia's own established policies with impunity, always superior to the poor schlubs who actually believe anyone can edit Wikipedia, only to discover they're barred from correcting even the simplest factual inaccuracies. Try adding a footnoted fact or correcting a fact error on one of these monitored Wikipedia ages and pages and poof, sometimes within a matter of seconds you'll find your edit is reversed. In 2012, famed author Philip Roth 
tried to correct a major fact error about the inspiration behind one of his book characters cited on a Wikipedia page. But no matter how hard he tried, Wikipedia's editors wouldn't allow it. They kept reverting the edits back to the false information. When Roth finally reached a person at Wikipedia, which was no easy task, and tried to find out what was going wrong, they told him he simply was not considered a credible source on himself. <laughs> a few weeks later, there was a huge scandal when Wikipedia officials got caught offering a PR service that skewed and edit information on behalf of paid, publicity-seeking clients in utter opposition to Wikipedia's supposed policies. All of this may be why, when a medical study looked at medical conditions described on Wikipedia pages and compared it to actual peer-reviewed published research, Wikipedia contradicted medical research 90% of the time. You may never fully trust what you read on Wikipedia again, nor should you. Let's now go back to that fictitious Colextra example and all the research you did. It turns out the Facebook and Twitter accounts you found that were so positive were actually written by paid professionals hired by the drug company to promote the drug. The Wikipedia page had been monitored by an agenda editor also paid by the drug company. The drug company also arranged to optimize Google search engine results, so it was no accident that you stumbled across that positive nonprofit that had all those positive comments. The nonprofit was, of course, secretly founded and funded by the drug company. The drug company also financed that positive study and used its power of editorial control to omit any mention of, of cancer as a possible side effect. Imagine that. Once more, each and every doctor who publicly touted Colextra or called the cancer link a myth, or ridiculed critics as paranoid cranks and quacks, or served on the government advisory board that approved the drug, each of those doctors is actually a paid consultant for the drug company. As for your own doctor, the medical lecture he attended that had all those positive evaluations was, in fact, like many continuing medical education classes, sponsored by the drug company. And when the news reported on that positive study, it didn't mention any of that. I have tons of personal examples from real life. A couple of years ago, CBS News asked me to look into a story about a study coming out from the nonprofit National Sleep Foundation. Supposedly, this press release coming out said, the study concluded we are a nation with an epidemic of sleeplessness and we don't even know it, and we should all go ask our doctors about it. A couple of things struck me about that. First, I recognized the phrase, ask your doctor, as a catchphrase promoted by the pharmaceutical industry. They know that if they can get your foot through the door of the doctor's office to mention a malady, you're very likely to be prescribed the latest drug that's marketed. Second, I wondered how serious an epidemic of sleeplessness could really be if we don't even know that we have it. <laughs> right? It didn't take long for me to do a little research and discover that the National Sleep Foundation nonprofit and the study, which was actually a survey, not a study, were sponsored in part by a new drug that was about to be launched onto the market called Lunesta, a sleeping pill. I reported the study as CBS News asked, but of course I disclosed the sponsorship behind the nonprofit and the survey so that viewers could weigh the information accordingly. All the other news media reported the same survey directly off the press release as written without digging past the superficial. It later became an example written up in the Columbia Journalism Review, which quite accurately reported that only we at CBS News had bothered to do a little bit of research and disclose the conflict of interest behind this widely reported survey. So now you may be thinking, what can I do? I thought I'd done my research. 
What chance do I have separating fact from fiction, especially if seasoned journalists with years of experience can be so easily fooled? Well, I have a few strategies that I can tell you about to help you recognize signs of propaganda and astroturf. Once you start to know what to look for, you'll begin to recognize it everywhere. First, hallmarks of astroturf include use of inflammatory language such as crank, quack, nutty, lies, paranoid, pseudo, and conspiracy. Astroturfers often claim to debunk myths that aren't myths at all. Use of the charged language tests well. People hear something's a myth, maybe they find it on Snopes, and they instantly declare themselves too smart to fall for it. But what if the whole notion of the myth is itself a myth and you and Snopes fell for that? <laughs> Beware when interests attack an issue by controversializing or attacking the people, personalities, and organizations surrounding it rather than addressing the facts. That could be AstroTurf. And most of all, AstroTurfers tend to reserve all of their public skepticism for those exposing wrongdoing rather than the wrongdoers. In other words, instead of questioning authority, they question those who question authority. You might start to see things a little more clearly. It's kind of like taking off your glasses and wiping them and putting them back on and realizing for the first time how foggy they'd been all along. I can't resolve these issues, but I hope that I've given you some information that will at least motivate you to take off your glasses and wipe them and become a wiser consumer of information in an increasingly artificial, paid-for reality. Thank you. All right, there's Cheryl Atkinson, and you're right. I'm seeing some of the, the things that are said here in the chat, and uh, you know, one of she's brilliant. I, uh, the thing I want to know is how do you talk for ten minutes like that without saying, um, uh, <laughs> getting your thoughts together, and you stay on track with what you're getting? I guess she's got some kind of teleprompter, at least giving her some notes or something that she's speaking here. But this is exactly what goes on. And folks, it happens on both sides of the political aisle. It happens on the conservative shows as well as the, the liberal shows and all the other. This is why when you come to the Sons of Liberty, where do we go to? We have a Christian worldview. That is our bias. We confess that. A bias towards the law. That's where we go to. That's the standard. And that law is the law of God. That's the standard for everybody, for me, for you, for everybody. And that's what we apply. So we see whether something's true or not based on that. Now, when we get into certain things, like she was mentioning medicine, boy, does this not hit home with what we're given with hydroxychloroquine or whatever the, the vaccines that are coming out or any of this other stuff? And it's, oh, well, we've read this thing and we've read that. And we've pointed, we've even pointed to the fact that with uh, the COVID issue, it's never even been separated out. It, it, you don't have a pure virus to see anything from. So with that said, there is a lot more here, um, and I want to get uh, get to this by the end of the show. If we have to run over a little bit, I think it's that important that people see this. So <clears throat> I'm going to save the last one from uh, Cheryl Atkinson to the last, okay? Because I want to get at least two more in here. One is um, this is former CNN reporter. Amber Lyon. Now, I've, I've been in contact with her. She's out of the country doing something. Uh, I, I don't know if she's doing some investigative journalism or whatever. She, she was out of the country when I tried to contact her. We wanted to see about bringing her on the show. Um, this runs about six minutes. She explains how the news is faked. Okay? 
This is Six Amber Lyon. corporate giant conglomerates control nearly 90% of all media Americans consume. And let's be honest, the paradigm pushed by these outlets fits into a box that marginalizes radical thought and third-party voices. And there are far too many instances of establishment reporters either getting fired or resigning for speaking out against the editorial line of their network or for simply going against their advertisers. Like in 1999, when two Fox reporters named Jane Aker and Steve Wilson attempted to air a story about the dangers of genetically modified bovine growth hormone. And they were subsequently blocked from airing the report because of threats from Monsanto. And then there's NBC's Peter Arnett, who was immediately fired for making critical commentary about the Iraq war on Iraqi television. A memo from management made it very clear the reason was because he, quote, put a difficult face on the public for NBC in a time of war. Moving on to MSNBC's Phil Donahue, a news host who had a 29-year run on national TV. He was also fired because of his open criticism of the Iraq invasion. As Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Chris Hedges so aptly said, that moment was a time that commercial television decided amassing corporate money and providing entertainment was its central mission. And then there's a woman named Andrea Seabrook, a former NPR reporter on the Hill who resigned in protest of impartiality. She came on breaking the set to tell me how fed up she was with essentially reprinting government press releases. She actually called the incestuous relationship between reporters and politicians on the Hill collusion. And most recently, there's CBS News investigator Cheryl Atkinson, who resigned out of her contract early, citing that she was frustrated with the network's bias and pressure from its corporate partners. After the dissent became viral, a former writer for the Democratic website Think Progress also wrote an article saying that he felt suffocating pressure reporting in D.C. and that his network would get berated with phone calls from the White House if he criticized the administration. This type of self-censorship is nothing new. It comes with the territory of working for any large media outlet funded by questionable entities. Except the difference with corporate media is that there are literally hundreds of conflicts of interest fueling their editorial lines. So we're here to go over a topic of censorship and truth in media. I'm joined now by investigative journalist and former CN reporter Amber Lyon. Amazing to have you on, Amber. Thank you, Abby, so much for having me. It's an honor. So, Amber, you famously left CNN after working there for years, citing reasons of censorship. Can you talk about what happened with your documentary that you filmed in Bahrain for the network? Yeah, we produced this documentary exposing that this Bahrain regime, the regime the United States had been supporting financially and with weapons, that this same regime was actually even using some of those weapons to torture and murder its people. And after we produced this documentary, we were told by CNN International that the documentary wasn't going to air. And we were given almost no explanation, Abby, as to why they chose not to air this documentary. And after further investigation, we found out that Bahrain was a paying customer at the network at CNN, that Bahrain and several other pro-United States regimes worldwide are actually paying CNN to produce positive content and fake documentaries about them, which I consider to be infomercials for dictators. And I think that CNN sprinkles this into their programming with little or no disclosure to viewers and their own journalists. And, and it's really defrauding viewers and, and really misleading people, Abby. That is fascinating, Amber. What I find most interesting is that every time I talk about self-censorship to people like Piers Morgan or Bob Garfield on NPR, they are all shocked. They're like, what are you talking about? We never self-censor. I mean, do you think that this is a big issue in the press today? 
It's a tremendously big issue, Abby. A lot of the muckraking journalists have actually had to leave the mainstream, including myself, because we just can't do our jobs on these networks because there is so much censorship. In 10 years of working in the mainstream, I was censored on stories at every single one of my jobs, whether that be to please corporate interests or the story was censored to please the United States government. So this is a chronic problem that's really destroying journalism in the United States. And people really need to understand when you're watching the mainstream media, you're not getting uh, the accurate picture. A lot of the journalists have been turned into lap dogs versus watchdogs uh, because that's what management wants. Right. I mean, I was, I was just mentioning two reporters that have basically said that they resigned because they were sick of reprinting government press releases. I mean, this is the way it works on the Hill here, Amber. I mean, as someone who's worked in the establishment media for so long, how would you say the editorial process works when people pitch stories they want to cover? I mean, do most journalists have that editorial freedom? No, they don't. And, and I didn't have that when I was at CNN. And you're talking about that close, cozy relationship between Washington reporters and the U.S. government. While I was at CNN, I'd actually have other journalists, journalists at CNN, write me and call me and ask me to amend my stories in favor of the U.S. government or government entities. They would call me on behalf of the U.S. government to change my stories, which I often refuse to do. But, I mean, that's just the nature of what's going on there. These, uh, a lot of these journalists have uh, cozy, cozy relationships with authorities that, that are very questionable. They're, they're doing more propaganda than they are actually investigative journalism. And two, there's a message sent from the top down to journalists in these newsrooms as to what's appropriate to cover and what's not. Case in point, the Occupy movement. Almost instantly when the Occupy movement started, management made it seem like it was an annoying movement. Like viewers didn't want to see what was happening on the streets. Like they were just some, you know, hippies with no important message. And one executive at CNN, I was sitting down at dinner with him, actually told me that Occupy didn't deserve to be covered. And so when this is sent from the top down, this kind of message as to what you should be reporting on, it really influences what you end up seeing uh, on the TV at the end of the day, Abby. All right. And, and look, that, that's still going on today. That isn't something that's went away. This is stuff that continues to go on today. And again, I get it. If people are in a newsroom, they have to determine what they're going to report on, what they don't. But, you know, I haven't watched... Uh, network or cable news in probably more than a decade, okay? But you tell me, those of you who still watch anything, you may turn on Fox for a little while, you may turn on CNN or MSNBC or your, your mainstream CBS, NBC, ABC kind of stuff. Is it not like watching the top 40 of your radio uh, radio station? I mean, isn't that what it's like? It's like every hour is the same news cycle. There's nothing new. They keep beating the same drum of whatever they want to pull up. They're, they're a 24-hour news station, and yet they can only fill your mind with a few things. Maybe two or three ma stories that keep drummed from different angles. They keep bringing people in on that same story. But this is what they do. Now, this is one of the things that we've tried to alter with SonsOfLibertyMedia.com was getting away from the same you know, dog bowl talking points that you get everywhere else. We report on even little stories, on 
you know, bad cop stories. Nobody wants to report on that because, oh, the thin blue line, we have to do that. You know what? They're supposed to uphold the law. And when they don't do that, we want to report on that because part of that is like what uh, Amber said in the interview here is to be a watchdog, not a lapdog. Okay. So that's part of, that's part of what we're doing. Now, this is very important here. Now, this guy, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce his name correctly. But this guy, his name is uh, Dr. Udo Ulfgott. I believe I, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. This comes from 2016. Now, with, I just want to let you know that within a year of him going on here saying this, he was found dead of a heart attack. And he's not an old guy at all. I think he was in his 50s, early 50s, actually. Here is Dr. Udo, I'm just going to call him that, <laughs> on what's really going on in the media around the world. And Eric, you're going to like this. Eric, in the chat, you're going to like this one. This is Dr. Uh, Ulfot. Well, I, I've been a journalist for about 25 years, and I was educated to lie, to betray and uh, not to tell the truth to the public. But seeing right now, within the last months, how, how far, um, how, how the German and American media tries to bring war to the people in Europe, to bring war to Russia, uh, this is a point of no return. And I, I stand, I'm going to stand up and say, um, it is not right what I have done in the past. Uh, to, to manipulate people, to make propaganda against Russia. And it is not right what my colleagues do on, and have done in the past because they are bribed uh, to betray the people, not only in Germany, all over Europe. The reason writing this book was that I, I am very fearful of a new war in Europe and I don't like to have this situation again because uh, war is not, never coming from itself. There is always people behind it to push for war. And this is not only politicians, this is journalists too. And uh, I just have written in the book how we have betrayed in the past our, um, our readers just to push for war. And uh, because I don't want this anymore. I'm fed up with this propaganda. We live in a banana republic and not in a democratic country where we have press freedom, where we have human rights. Uh, when we, if, if you see the German media, especially my colleagues, who day by day write against the Russians who are in transatlantic organizations and who are supported by the United States to do so, well, m people like me, I, I, got, I, I became an honorary citizen of the state of Oklahoma in the United States. Just why? Just because I write pro-American. I wrote pro-American. Uh, I was supported by the Central Intelligence Agency, by the CIA. Why? Because I should be pro-American. I'm fed up with it. I don't want to do it anymore. And so I, I've just written a book not to earn money. No, it will cause a lot of trouble for me just to, to give the people in this country, in Germany, in Europe, and all over the world, just to give them a glimpse of a view what goes up behind the closed doors.
Yes, uh, there, there is many examples for that. We, if we go just back to history, if you go into the year 1988, if you go to your archives, you will find in March 1988 that there was uh, um, uh, in, in Iraq, in, uh, um, in Iraq, the Kurdish people have been have been gassed with poisoned gas. That is known all over the world. But in July 1988, they sent me to a town called Zubaydat, that is uh, on, on the Iraqi-Iranian border. There was war, it was war between the Iranians and the Iraqis, and I was sent there to photograph how the Iranians have been gassed with poisoned gas, with German poisoned gas. You call it lost and zarin, mustard gas, made by Germany. They have been gassed, and I was there to make photographs how these people um, have been killed by poison gas from Germany. When I came back to Germany, there was just one small photo in a newspaper, in the Frankfurter Allgemeine, and there was one small article not writing how impressive, brutally, how unhuman, how ter- terrible it was to kill, uh, half, to kill decades after the end of the Second World War, people with German poisoned gas. So this was a situation I, I feel misused uh, for, for, for having been there and just to give a documentary what has d- been done, but not being allowed to cry out uh, to the world what we have done uh, behind closed doors. Up to today, it's not well known in the public that with German public gas, there have been hundreds or thousands of people gassed in this city of Zubeda. Now you ask... What have I done for intelligence agencies? So, please see, most of the journalists you see in foreign countries, they claim to be journalists, and uh, they they might be journalists, European or American journalists, but uh, many of them, like me in the past, are so-called non-official cover. That's what the Americans call that. I have been a non-official cover. Non-official cover means what? It means you, you too work for an intelligence agency. You help them if they want you to help them, but they will never, never, um, when, uh, when, you, when, you are, um, when you are locked or uh, when, they find, when they find out that you are not only a journalist but a spy too, um, they will never say, oh, this was one of our guys. They will not know you. That means- Okay. All right. We're going to pause, Dr. Udo. If you want to join us on Red State, and we'll finish that up. I've got another one from Cheryl Atkinson, and a thing to tie this together with Operation Mockingbird. Catch us on that. Guys, Saturday, I'm letting you know. We'll mention it tomorrow. This is what we're going to be covering starting an hour early, 7 a.m. It's going to be only on the video channels, and then the radio show begins at 8 a.m. Kate Shimarani will be covering this live from London on Saturday, so don't miss that as well. Guys, 23 hours, we'll see you, you guys, on Red State Talk Radio. Come join us on YouTube or Facebook. Adios. All right, uh, we're back here, and I'm going to finish this out. I appreciate you guys joining us this morning. What he's fixing to get into should concern every American here. Okay, it should concern you if you're in Britain or if you're in Germany or if you're in Australia or wherever you're at because he's fixing to reveal something. He's already started it to talk about journalists are picked out by intelligence agencies, and he's going to specifically name the CIA here. Uh, This is Dr. Udo uh, Olfot. Uh, he was found dead a year after this interview that I'm playing for you. 
uh, of an alleged heart attack. And I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm not saying the CIA did anything to him. I'm just saying the CIA has had a heart attack gun for decades. You can see the videos where they're showing it to Congress. So this isn't... You determine what you want to think about that. But uh, here's a guy exposing it. Uh, let me let, me let uh, Dr. Udo continue. Non-official cover. So uh, I have helped them in several situations. And uh, I feel ashamed for that too now. Uh, like I feel ashamed that I have worked for a very recommended newspaper like the Frankfurter Allgemeine because I was bribed by billionaires. I was bribed by the Americans uh, not to report exactly the truth. But uh, I, I just imagined on, in my car while I was driving to this interview, I, I just tried to work out in my brain what would have happened if I would have written a pro-Russian article in the Frankfurter Allgemeine. Well, I don't know what would have happened, but uh, we were all educated to write pro-European, pro-American, but please, not pro-Russian. So I'm very sorry for that, but this is not what I understand uh, for uh, democracy and for press freedom. I'm very sorry for that. Well, uh, German... Yeah, yes, I understand your question very well. Germany is still a kind of a colony of the United States. Uh, you see that in many points, like the majority of the Germans don't want to have nukes uh, in our country, but we still have American nukes. So we, we are still a kind of a colony of the Americans. And being a colony, it is very easy to approach uh, young journalists uh, through uh, what is very important here is transatlantic organizations. All journalists from really respected and recommended big German newspapers, magazines, radio stations, TV stations, they are all members uh, or guests of those big transatlantic organizations. And there, in, in these transatlantic organizations, you are approached to be pro-American and there, there is nobody coming to you and saying, well, we are the Central Intelligence Agency. Would you like to work for us? No, this is not the case how it happens. What they do, these transatlantic organizations, is uh, they invite you. They invite you for seeing the United States. Uh, they pay for that. They pay all your expenses and everything. So uh, you, you are bribed. You get more and more corrupt because uh, they make you good contacts. You won't know that those good contacts are, let's say, non-official, non-official uh, covers or officially people working for Central Intelligence Agency or other American agencies. So you make friends. You think they are friends and you cooperate with them. They, tr they ask you, well, could you do me this favor? Could you do me that favor? And uh, so your brain more and more is brainwashed through these guys. And uh, your question was, is this only the case with German journalists? No, I think it is uh, especially the case with British journalists, because they have a much closer relationship. It is especially the case uh, with Israelis, of course, with French journalists for a part, not that big as with German or with uh, 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 British journalists. Uh, it is the case for Australian journalists, for, for journalists from New Zealand, from Taiwan, from, well, there is, there is many countries, countries in the Arab world, like Jordan, for example, uh, like Oman, the Sultanate of Oman, 
There is many countries where this happens, where you, where, where you find people to, um, to claim they are respected journalists, but if you look behind them, you'll find uh, they are puppets on a string of the Central Intelligence Agency. I'm, I'm sorry in interrupting you. I'll give you one example. Um, some, sometimes the intelligence agencies, they come to your office and want you to write an article. I, I, I give you an example not from strange other journalists, from me myself. I've just forgotten the year. I just remember that uh, the German foreign intelligence, Bundesnachrichtendienst, it is just a, um, a sister organization of the Central Intelligence Agency. It was founded by the American Intelligence Agency. So one, one day... Uh, the BND, this German Foreign Intelligence Agency, came to my office at the Frankfurter Allgemeine in Frankfurt. And they wanted me to write an article about Libya and about uh, Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. I had, I had absolutely no secret information uh, regarding Colonel Muammar Gaddafi and Libya. But they gave me all the, these secret informations and uh, they just wanted me to write, to, to sign the article with my name. I did that, uh, but it was an article uh, that was published in the Frankfurt Allgemeine that originally came from the uh, Bundesnachrichtendienst, from the German Foreign Intelligence Agency. So do you really think that this is journalism? Intelligence agencies writing articles? Oh yes, that article, uh, I, I, I have um, reprinted it partly in, in my book. That article was... Uh, how Libya and Colonel Muammar Gaddafi, uh, how he secretly tried to build a poison gas factory, I think in Rapta was the name, yeah. And I got all those informations. It, it was a story that was printed worldwide uh, two days later. But it, it, I had no information on that. It was the intelligence agency that wanted me to write this article. So, But this is not the way journalism should work, that intelligence agencies that they decide what is printed and what not. If I say no, I give you an example from uh, <laughs> a very good example if you say no. Well, we have um, a rescue unit in Germany with helicopters for traffic accidents. Uh, it's called, uh, they, they call themselves the Yellow Angels. There was one guy who, um, who didn't want to cooperate, and he was a pilot of the helicopter service of the Yellow Angels in Germany. This guy said no to the Foreign Intelligence Service Bundesnachrichtendienst when they approached him and wanted him as a non-official cover to work for uh, the German Foreign Intelligence Agency. And uh, just to pretend to be somebody from uh, the Yellow Angels. So what, what, what happened was that he lost his job. And the court in Germany, they, the, uh, the judge decided that they were right because the, uh, such a guy could not be trusted. He was kicked off his job because he didn't cooperate with uh, the Foreign Intelligence Service. So uh, I knew what would happen if I would not cooperate with intelligence services. Well, <laughs> well I have had, uh, let me say, one, two, three, six times my house was house-searched because I was accused by the public prosecutor, the German public prosecutor, I was accused of leaking, state, leaking secrets of states. Six times house-searched. Uh, well, they, they, they hoped that I wouldn't do that ever again. But uh, 
I, I think it's, it's worse that uh, the truth will come out one day. The truth won't die. And uh, I don't mind what will happen. I've had three heart attacks. I have no children. So if they want to bring me to court or to prison, so it's worse for the truth. All right. And there you go. There's Dr. Udo. And, you know, again, I just remind you, folks, he, he mentioned there, yeah, he's had some heart attacks. But within a year of this interview, he was dead. He was dead. And he's exposing exactly what's going on in that. Now, I want to give you one more. OK, I, I appreciate you guys being patient. I know we've run long. But a lot of people have never heard this information from people on the inside to say, this is what goes on. This is what we have to fight through. This is what we have to deal with. Okay. Um, One more here from Cheryl Atkinson, and I'm going to close it out with the Operation Mockingbird stuff. This uh, is another TED Talk that she gave called How Real is Fake News? And uh, I think you'll find this very interesting. This is... um, As an investigative journalist, I found myself with a few questions about the emergence of fake news as a phrase and as a fad. Number one, what is fake news and what is not? Number two, when did fake news begin? And number three, most interesting of all, I've investigated the shadowy multi-billion dollar industry that seeks to manipulate all of us through news, social media, and online. So I wondered, who's behind the massive effort to direct our attention onto fake news? Is fake news real? First, the definition of fake news depends on where you sit. It's not as if there's an extreme dictionary authority that gets to decide for everybody, though some are trying, more on that in a moment. But when did fake news under anybody's definition begin? Well, fake news has always been embedded in our culture. It just wasn't called that. The supermarket rags gave popular rise to blatantly fake news with front page images of aliens impregnating unsuspecting, usually large breasted earthling women. (laughs) Most people probably believe little to nothing of what they read in these publications. A few people might have believed everything. But there are countless examples of fake news surfacing in mainstream news. Example. In 1996, a news media frenzy wrongly blamed a security guard named Richard Jewell for the Atlanta Olympic bombing. We later learned that poor Jewell had actually been a hero, moving people away from a suspicious backpack before it exploded. On 9-11, a network TV news reporter falsely reported that a terrorist plane had crashed in the presidential retreat Camp David. Never happened. The internet revolutionized fake news, whether we're talking about a rumor or intentional disinformation or biased, sloppy, erroneous reporting. What would have circulated amongst a relative few could now develop a global following overnight. Example, in 2012, 26 people were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary. Blogs and social media immediately began circulating rumors and images insisting the whole thing was a hoax drummed up by the government and staged by actors. In 2014, Rolling Stone magazine reported on a sensational case of a fraternity gang rape that turned out to be so unsubstantiated that Rolling Stone retracted the article and the reporter was found guilty of malice in a defamation lawsuit. And whatever you think of the 2014 police shooting of Michael Brown, Even the Obama Justice Department eventually ruled that the entire hands-up-don't-shoot scenario, which blanketed the news day in and day out, was probably fabricated 
and that the police officer acted in legitimate self-defense. But it wasn't until 2016 that the actual phrase fake news was introduced to the American public on a national scale. Liberals were first to heavily promote use of the phrase, referring to conservative disinformation and right-wing websites, and there's certainly plenty of that. Example, as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton battled it out, a website called the Conservative Daily Post published a huge amount of pro-Trump, anti-Clinton propaganda under the name and likeness of a former beauty queen named Laura Hunter. The real Laura Hunter says she didn't write any of those articles. She claims imposters turned her into a spokesman for a radical right-wing website that peddles fake news. She sued them. Meantime, Trump and conservatives counterpunch with their own notion of fake news, meaning biased, sloppy, erroneous reporting, as committed by the mainstream media and the left. Plenty of that, too. Example. On President Trump's first day in office, a Time magazine reporter falsely reported that Trump had removed the bust statue of Martin Luther King from the Oval Office. The White House quickly tweeted out a photo showing the statue was still very much there. The reporter, perhaps blinded by his own bias, hadn't followed the most basic tenets of beginning journalism. Check your facts. So if fake news by other names has always been around, why does it suddenly become the stuff of daily headlines during the 2016 campaign? I did a little digging, and I traced the effort to a nonprofit called First Draft, which appears to be about the first to use the phrase fake news in its modern context. On September 13, 2016, First Draft announced a partnership to tackle malicious hoaxes and fake news reports. The goal was supposedly to separate wheat from chaff, to prevent unproven conspiracy talk from figuring prominently in Internet searches, to relegate today's version of the alien baby story to a special internet oblivion. Exactly one month later, President Obama chimed in. He insisted in a speech that he too thought somebody needed to step in and curate information in this wild, wild west media environment. Nobody in the public had been clamoring for any such thing. Yet suddenly, the topic of fake news dominates headlines on a daily basis. It's as if the media had been given its marching orders, Fake news, they insisted, was an imminent threat to American democracy. But as somebody who studied the industry that seeks to manipulate all of us on behalf of paid interests, I know that few themes arise in our environment organically. A noted propagandist told me, it's like a movie, he said, and it gave me chills at the time. Nearly every scene or image that crosses our path in daily life, he said, was put there for a reason often by someone who paid a lot of money to place it there. What if the whole anti-fake news campaign was an effort on somebody's part to keep us from seeing or believing certain websites and stories by controversializing them or labeling them as fake news? But who would want to do such a thing? When connecting the dots, I find it often helps to follow the money. I wanted to know who was funding the nonprofit First Draft and its anti-fake news effort. I found the answer. It was Google. Google's parent company, Alphabet, was run by a man named Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt, as it happens, had devoted himself to Hillary Clinton's election campaign, offered himself up as a campaign advisor, and became a top multi-million dollar donor to it. His company funded First Draft around the start of the election cycle. Not surprisingly, Hillary was soon to jump aboard the anti-fake news train, 
And her surrogate, David Brock of Media Matters, privately told donors he was the one who convinced Facebook to join the effort. By the way, Google was funded by the CIA. I'm not the, the only CIA. one who thinks the whole thing smacked of the rollout of a propaganda campaign. Glenn Greenwald of The Intercept wrote, The most important fact you need to realize is that those who most loudly denounce fake news are typically the ones most aggressively disseminating it. But something happened that nobody expected. The anti-fake news campaign backfired. Each time advocates cried fake news, Donald Trump called them fake news until he'd co-opted the term so completely that even those who were originally promoting it started running from it, including the Washington Post, which in January of 2017 wrote, it's time to retire the tainted term fake news. In fact, it's now commonly misreported that it was Donald Trump who thought up the phrase. Actually, it was just a hostile takeover. Suffice it to say that each side now defines fake news in terms that call the other guy into question. So what's the lesson in all of this? I'm not here to litigate who's right, but I can tell you there are two ways to tell that powerful interests might be trying to manipulate your opinion. Number one, when the media seems to be trying to shape or censor facts and opinions rather than report them. Number two, when so many in the media are reporting the same stories, promulgating the same narratives, relying on the same sources, even using the same phrases. I mean, think of it. There are literally thousands of legitimate news stories that could be reported in a given day and an infinite number of ways to report them. When everybody's on the same page, it might be the result of an organized campaign. I'll leave you with a final thought and a warning. It's about a new catchphrase being bandied about media literacy. As in, we'll tell you who to trust and who not to trust. Media literacy advocates are busy trying to get state laws passed to require that their version of media literacy be taught in public schools. They're developing websites as resources for journalists and the public. They're partnering with universities. I think media literacy is a new name promoted by some of the same people who want to tell you what to believe. People with their own agendas using terms designed to fool you into thinking they're neutral authorities. What you need to remember is that when interests are working this hard to shape your opinion, their true goal might just be to add another layer between you and the truth. All right, there's Cheryl Axon. And, um, you know, Texas made a comment in the YouTube channel chat. I don't trust anything with TED Talks. I tend to, you know, I've seen a lot of TED Talks that was really good and a lot that wasn't. Uh, mine was just to let the journalists themselves say what was there. And I think that what Atkinson has communicated, what uh, Amber Lyon has communicated, what Dr. Udo has communicated, all of that rings true with what's going on concerning Operation Mockingbird. Now, we've had a lot that we reported on uh, concerning Operation Mockingbird. Uh, it's almost like it's, you know, it's come out of um, the Truman Show. Somebody mentioned that earlier. Almost out of the Truman Show. Like we can't determine anything about whether or not something is true. Look, when I was at freedomoutpost.com and I started that, now it's just gone to a... You want to talk about bias over there. <laughs> I mean, it is a Trump worship site now. I just... I. I can't believe that the site that I started has has become that, but I have no control over that. In any case, you know, I told one of the owners at one time, I said, look, 
half the time I wonder if the stuff I even see in front of my own eyes can be trusted. With the technology now for the deep fakes, maybe some of you guys have seen that, where they can take and sit a guy in a chair that looks like me, and they can real-time make him look and sound just like Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, whoever they want. His hands will move when he moves on another screen. Um, You wouldn't know if these people were dead or alive, and you wouldn't know if it was the real person doing it or not. You just wouldn't know. And then you've got stories that come all the way around the world to us, and you heard Amber Lyon, they're being paid for, they're to uh, report certain things, not report certain things, put stuff before you. And the only thing you can really do is, is you can come in and you can uh, comment on whatever you're presented with. So in all of this, we go to the Bible, we go to the Constitution here at the Sons of Liberty. And so you say, okay, I know this here, or we can bring back video, or we can bring back documentation that even if it's manipulated, we can say, okay, well, you said this over here, now you're doing this. And see, people get mad at us here because, you know, with the Trump administration, look, if if the Trump administration was the Obama administration, I've said this time and again, a lot of people who disagree with us, who think we hate Trump, which we don't, they would be on our side because the guy would have the political jersey with the D on it, right? He would be the usurper in the White House. He wouldn't be a president, he'd be a usurper. But because the guy has the R on his jersey, because he talks the language, because he mentions the Bible, he holds it up, even though I don't think he knows a verse in it, uh, because he's asked for he's been asked for his favorite Bible verse and he can't give it. But when we 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 point out, he says, "I'm the biggest pro-life president ever," and yet he's funded, according to Planned Parenthood's own report, more money. He signed it. Yeah, I know it comes from the House. I know it comes from the Senate. But he's the guy who signs it. He could veto it. He signed the spending for more murders of Americans in that fiscal year, 2018-2019, than any other president, the most pro-life president in, in America. And this is sort of what we're getting at. It's not just with Trump. It's with Obama. It's with your local congressman. It's with your, 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 and by that I mean your state congressman. It's with your D.C. congressman, your senators, your, your local mayors. All of these people are in with somebody else. I brought up the story this week about Carmine Marcino, the Lee County Sheriff down there, the criminal that he is. And I'm getting information. I'm hoping to bring that out very soon that's going to be in your face, Governor DeSantis and FDLE, that's going to show you you're responsible for the crimes he is committing now. Not the crimes we've already documented. Crimes he's committing against women now. Okay? Just so you know, you better deal with this guy because I'm going to point the finger at you. We learned during that his campaign had funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars to local ABC, NBC, outlets down there. I don't know if, I'm pretty sure they probably gave it to Fox. Well, they may have given it to Fox. They may not have because Fox was the only outlet down there that would report on his crime. One of his crimes. The rest of them wouldn't, even though they had the information and the documentations, they wouldn't do it. So this comes all the time. Now, you remember Dr. Udo, he talked about the CIA being involved. You just saw Cheryl Atkinson knit Google into the mix here. And Google is a CIA startup. They funded them with millions of your dollars. 
millions of them. They probably still fund them with them. I don't know. But I know they gave them at least $15 million as a startup through a CIA front group called, you're going to like this, NQTEL. NQTEL. I threw Q in there just, you know, that's part of the name of the front group that funds big tech operations. And, and Google isn't the only one they do it with. They do it with surveillance companies, um, all kinds of electronics. I did a story on that you could do. Um, you could just put in NQTEL, N-Q-TEL, T-E-L, uh, in the search engine. Uh, you'll have to scroll down all the way to the bottom on the right side of the page, SudsLibertyMedia.com. And you can see just a handful, like two dozen of outfits that the CIA has unconstitutionally funded with your money, okay? But then that this all comes back to Operation Mockingbird. Now, here's just a brief clip, a minute and a half, because I've got to get going here, but I thought this information is so important, and you guys have been growing and the numbers of watching, so I, I assume you think it's important too. Here's a minute and a half to show you how this works, okay? Hang on. Let me get. Uh, let me bring the video up here, and we're going to play it. Nick Headley, and I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities, the El Paso, Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about double and triple responsible, one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same stories without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. And this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 No, what's dangerous to our democracy? To our democracy, it gets me on it. We're not even a democracy, people. We're a republic, a constitutional republic. In fact, our constitution says that it guarantees in every state a republican form of government. No, not your GOP political party, but a republican form of government. There's a judiciary, there's a there's a uh, a congress, and there is a governing body, there are the governor. And they're separated out just like they are at the D.C. level, and they are to be ruled by law, not by democracy, which is mob rule. Here's the real danger. All of these knuckleheads you just saw here in the little clip that I just played, those people are a danger to the democracy. They're a danger to democracy. They've got me saying it. They're a danger to the republic. They're a danger to your liberty. They're a danger to your freedom and to the freedom of your children. These are the same people that tell you there's a Growing economy, it's just the greatest in history. 
They're the ones telling you that, all while you're going eight to ten trillion dollars in debt more with your kids. These are the same people that want to push the climate change narrative for their corporate masters. And you know what? Do you know how I know that it works with some people? When you go out in rural South Carolina or rural North Carolina and you go into a business now where three months ago you would have been lucky to find one person wearing a mask and now virtually, I don't know, 90% of the people are wearing a mask. Their propaganda works. That's why they do it. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, countrymen, (laughs) we are being manipulated. And you can say, well, who owns you, Tim? I've had people say, oh, but you're getting a Soros check just because I critique their political idol. Well, you could look at my bank account and you would know I'm not being funded by any. The Sons of Liberty are not for sale. They're just not. People donate to us. Yes, we appreciate the donation. We're thankful for it. You buy our products. I mean, I got the link in the bottom on the Sons of Liberty uh, dog tags. You can get those. You can get the coward shirt. Uh, That's linked in the thing. And you support us in putting this out. But the fact of the matter is we're not going to change our message of what we say or what we do based on who's going to sell the next drug or who's going to say you can't say this or say that. Ask the guys that I work for at Freedom Outpost. They didn't want me using the term sodomite. That is a biblical term. These these were supposed to be Christians. Oh, you're going to get us censored from Google. You know what? I was one of the only sites that didn't get censored from Google. I was one of the the other sites that didn't get targeted by some of the other things. I went forward saying, no, I'm going to call it for what it is. While other people run scared, trying to conform to all of the, the things for what? I'll tell you what for. Going to show you. That right there. The almighty dollar. That's what they're doing it for. I realize that we have to have money to survive and to do things. We realize that more than anybody here at the Sons of Liberty. We have to have money to do what we do. There's no question. But there's a thing of, are you going to sell out your principles and the truth for the dollar? Are you going to hold fast to the truth? And that's what's important. Even when people don't like it, even when you don't have the money coming in, you keep doing what you're doing. Guys, I went over a long time, over half an hour. I appreciate your patience. Thank you so much for your support, guys. We appreciate it very much. If you're able to continue to support us, there's links down in the video description. You can do that. We would very much appreciate that. But guys, keep us in your prayers because we want to be out there doing what we're doing, whether it's here on the radio, whether it's on the website, whether it's out with you guys. That's what we want to do. And um, yeah, <laughs> yes, we are we are a constitutional republic, and I apologize. Boy, I got caught up in even the repetition of that uh, to point out those things. But the point is, is this, guys. We have to stand together. We may not agree on everything as we shouldn't agree on everything. I mean, that shouldn't even be, have to be said. 
But we should agree on some central things, and mainly that is what the law is. That is our standard. And we have to hold those who represent us, no matter what capacity of authority they have, we have to hold them to the standard of law. It doesn't matter how much we like them. Case in point, and I'll give you this, and then we'll close out the show. Yesterday, Bradley talked about Dr. John MacArthur. You know, we just had a report where the other week he says, we're, we're having church. You know, we're not going to let California shut us down. We're going to have that. Great. All for it. And you know what? I learned one thing that I learned from Dr. MacArthur that I'm eternally grateful for, even though I disagree with his dispensationalism and certain parts of his version of Calvinism. One of the things that I really appreciated about Dr. MacArthur was he tried to exposit Scripture verse by verse through the Bible. He would take a book. He would go through it verse by verse. That's the way my dad did it. I learned something vital in that. That when somebody quotes me a passage like somebody did in the chat a minute ago, oh, aren't we, we're not supposed to judge anybody. They've got to get the plank out of your eye. Yeah, we, are, we do need to get the plank out of our eye in order to help our brother get the speck out. But the, you know, a lot of people will quote that. They'll quote, you know, who, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Okay, I'm not calling for the death penalty. That's what that was about. That was the context about it. And Jesus was refuting that they had went about what they were doing unlawfully. But yet Jesus turns around and he says this. Judge with righteous judgment. Now, for those of you who say don't judge, you judge all the time. That's why you're calling me out. You think I'm judging, and so you're judging me for that, right? And yet Jesus says you judge with righteous judgment. What is a righteous judgment? It's coming back to the standard, back to the plumb line of God's word. And in our country, the U.S. Constitution, which is subservient to God's word, that is the standard. That's how you judge righteously. doesn't matter what you say. Look at what you're doing. Actually, it does matter what you say sometimes uh, because it's not in line either. And so I hope this has been informative for a lot of people. I hope it's been helpful because, um, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, when you start peeling back the mask off of this and you've got people on the inside who are showing you this is what they do, this is how it's done, I think it makes things a lot more clear. Uh, I hope it's been helpful. Guys, Lord willing, 20, what, 22 and a half hours. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday. All right. God bless you guys. Adios.